Hey everyone, we are in this series, Resilient, and let's just start off this way. Who is the first person that comes to mind when you hear the word resilient? Like if the word could be personified into one person, who would it be? We would love to know. Throw that in the chat right now, no wrong answer. Could be someone famous, could be a fictional character, could be someone in your family, but who is it? I know for me, since we started this series, there's been one person on my mind and it is Rocky. Balboa, yeah, I mean, that man can really take a punch. Nothing could keep him down. And it reminds me of the speech that he gave. I think it was in like Rocky 37. Maybe you remember it, but here's what he said. He said, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it, you, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. I think this is a pretty good description of what it looks like to be resilient. This ability to take the shots as they come, to maybe even get knocked down from time to time, but to still get up over and over again, to continue moving forward. And so the message title today, if you're taking notes, is Still Standing. If you are watching right now, go ahead and throw that in the chat right now, still standing. Even if it feels like you're not standing right now or it feels like you're on some shaky legs, you are more resilient than you think. And the incredible thing we're gonna be looking at in this series is that you can become more resilient than you ever thought possible. And so what we're gonna be focusing on this series of messages, how do we do that? How do we become more resilient? How do we stay resilient, both for this tough season that we're in and for the season to come? And to do that, we're gonna be studying the life of a man named Joseph. Uh, his story, we're gonna pick up with it in Genesis 39. He's kinda gonna be our guide for this. But what we're gonna do right now, as you flip or scroll there, is I just wanna give you the backstory to Joseph's life, because a lot happens, and I think we'll see through his story that he's about as resilient as they come. You see, Joseph was just a regular dude in a regular family. It was a big family, though, a blended family, lots of brothers. And amongst all the brothers, he was his dad's favorite. Now, that would create enough problems on its own. It was already hard for Joe to be liked by his brothers. But then something happens that just, it's the icing on the cake. You see, Joe begins to have these, these dreams where his brothers are actually coming to him and bowing down to him. Then, then he has other dreams where it's like his whole family is coming to him and bowing down to him. Like he's some kind of royalty. And it's one thing to have that dream. It's one thing to tell people about that dream. It is a whole step further to tell the people that the dream is about. But Joe isn't very self-aware and he goes to his brothers and he's like, guys, you guess what? You won't believe this, but I had this dream where you guys all came to me and were bowing down to me. It was pretty wild. And the brothers hear this and they're like, yeah, it's pretty wild. They don't love the dream though. And by not loving the dream, 
I mean they make a plan to kill Joseph, all right? It, the story escalates really, really quickly. And one day, as Joe is going out to see his brothers, they see him coming, they say, now is our time. They grab Joseph and they throw him into a pit. They throw him into this giant hole while they try to figure out what they are going to do with him. Now, if you can just imagine what it would have been like being Joseph in this pit, hearing his brother's conversation above him, like we are going to kill this man. Seriously, he's the worst. I'm done with it. Let's, let's be done with him. And Joseph's like, what, what are you guys doing? This is, this is crazy. It was just a dream. I was, I was kidding, kind of, but I was serious. But, but, don't, but don't kill me. And his brothers are like, yeah, I mean, we, we should kill him. But then they start to change, they change their mind. They're like, man, no, let's, let's not kill him. And Joseph's like, yes, please, God, you guys are crazy. Do not kill me. They're like, if we kill him, we don't get anything out of that, right? They're like, but we have a better idea. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. That way, we get rid of him, but we also get something for it. We get some money. It's two birds, one stone, fistful of money, high fives all around. And this is what the brothers decide to do. They grab Joseph out of the pit. They throw him into slavery. He's sold to this man named Potiphar. And that's where we pick up with Joseph in the story, Genesis 39. Take a look at this. It says, Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Now Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Now this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So just to recap here, Joseph was thrown into a pit. He sold to this man named Potiphar. Now at this moment, you would think that Joseph is, is down for the count. You would think that he's just kind of crawled up in a ball somewhere crying, but that's not what we see. We see in Joseph's story that even after the pit, even after being sold to Potiphar, he's not only still standing, he's successful that he's still moving forward, so successful that Potiphar actually notices, notices this and promotes him immediately. And now Joseph is not just there, but he's over everything that Potiphar owns. He manages it, it all. It goes on to say that it's going so well that the only question that Potiphar has to ask, the only thing he worries about every single day is what am I going to eat for dinner? Like the good life, unless you're an Enneagram type nine, but that's another point. But you get this, things are going so well. Out of the ashes, my man is rising. And it says, why? There's, there's no accident here. Did you catch the line? It says that the Lord was with Joseph and success followed him. And from there, you might think that, okay, we're, 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 out of, we're out of the clear. Like, it is gonna be okay now. Nothing bad is going to happen to Joe because God is with him. But we're gonna see in a second that that's not what we see. That's not true to Joseph's story. And it's probably not true to yours either. You see, the resilience he has shown is really going to be tested now. Keep reading. It says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. 
And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Now, Joe is doing so good, so good that Potiphar isn't the only one that notices Joseph. It says that his wife begins to see him. And then she begins to come and to tempt him to, to sleep with her. And this is really where we begin to see how Joseph is able to be so resilient, how he is still standing after all of this. And Joseph, he, he takes her advances and he tries to do everything he can to stay away from her and to keep her at bay. But his wife does not give up. She continues to press forward. Look at this, keep reading. It says, she kept pressuring kept putting pressure on Joseph. She was resilient in her own way, day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work and she came and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. She tries again, and she corners him this time. She gets him to a spot where he cannot move, and she gets so close that she grabs him by his cloak, and the only option that he has at this time is to pull away as hard as he can and to run for his life, and that is exactly what he does. But as he pulls and as he begins to run, she is still holding onto his cloak, and she rips it off of him. This means Joseph is but naked, all right? Joseph is completely naked here. He takes off running down the driveway. This is not a good look. Running naked in public will bring some questions with it. If you've ever been naked in public, you, you know what this is like, you know what I mean? I kinda know, all right? I've been naked in places I was not supposed to be naked, and I can relate to Joe here. My clothes, too, were once ripped from me. You see, when I was a younger man, uh, I was all about clothes that were a little too big for me, all right? It was the 90s, it was a crazy time. Maybe you remember this. If you're watching The Last Dance right now, you get it. But there I was. I was at JCPenney, school clothes shopping, trying to get some clothes that were, they were a lot too big for me, all right? And I get these pair of shorts that are pretty much like pants because of how big they are. And I pick them up and I show them to my mom and she takes one look at them and she's like, it's not happening. You're not getting them, they're too big, put them back. But I, I, I need these shorts. So we continue to, to have a conversation and we, we settle with this. She says, okay, fine, go and try them on first. Let me see how they look. So I take them into the dressing room, I put them on and she wasn't wrong, all right? These, these shorts are way too big. I can barely keep them up. I have to spread my legs all the way out just to walk out to see her but I've already seen myself in the mirror. I need these shorts. So I get all the way out to the middle of JCPenney and I look at my mom and I say, see, I told you. And she's like, no, I told you, we're not getting them, they're too big. But I can't give up. I've already seen myself in these shorts. I've seen myself on the first day of school in these shorts. But her final blow, where she really got me, was she says, come here, 
come here. And I walk over and now we're right there in the middle of everything. And her final blow was just to give a little tug on the shorts, to sh just to see how big they really were. Now, neither one of us were prepared for what happened next. Because when she went to pull on the shorts, of course the shorts fell down, they were way too big. But my underwear also fell down. So there I was, butt naked in the middle of JCPenney. That is a place that you never have a good reason to be naked in. And immediately I take off running, just like Joseph down the driveway. But the shorts were already too big and now that they're around my ankles, it was the slowest, most embarrassing, most sad run back to the dressing room. But that's where Joseph is. He runs out naked. All the other workers are looking like, what is going on? Joseph has to be embarrassed, but there's no way he's as embarrassed as Potiphar's wife. Because now a naked man will get some people talking. So Potiphar's wife has to create a story. She has to be able to tell her husband something before anyone else can. So she develops this story. And as soon as her husband comes, she runs out to him and she tells him that, hey, while you were away, Joseph, he actually came and attacked me. I had to fight him off. I had to push him away. And here's his, here's his clothes. He's probably out there running naked somewhere. And so Potiphar at this point is so frustrated and he's hot and he immediately goes looking for Joseph. And maybe you're trying to process this right now, like how is this happening? Like I thought it said that God was with Joseph and Joseph did everything right. He stood his ground, he didn't, he didn't fall back. He did everything right. Why would this happen? Is God still with him? Did, did, did God leave him? but he didn't, and we're gonna, we're gonna see that here in a second, but, but keep reading. Look at what it says. It says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Like how though? How is he still standing? What gave Joseph this resilience to still be standing? What gave him the power and the strength to stand in the pit, to become a slave to Potiphar, to withstand the temptation of Potiphar's wife, and then to still be standing after being thrown in prison. How? It's because he had something that we all need to be resilient. It's foundational. And here's what it is. We need a reason to be resilient. For us to be resilient, we need a reason. There has to be a why for all of us. We need something that will bring us to our feet again and again. Resilience is something that it's, it's built. It's not something that we're born with. And, and we have to have, why is it worth it to be resilient? Why is it worth it to stand back up over and over again, even when we're brought to our knees. We need to identify that one thing that we're loyal to. There, there, there can be smaller things, but there's one thing that takes the number one spot, one thing that we're faithful to more so than anything else and no matter what. And Joseph, he had a reason for his resilience. 
He shared it back when Potiphar's wife tried to, to sleep with him. Maybe he caught it. His ultimate reason came out. And when we're tested, what's foundational will float to the top. And when she came to him and tried to sleep with him, the reason he gave her says everything about his resilience and why he's still standing. This is what he said. He said, it would be a great sin against God. This is why I can't sleep with you. His ultimate reason, his why for what he was doing, it wasn't because he was worried about losing his job. It wasn't anything about money or power, anything. His ultimate reason, what dictated what he did and what he didn't do was his relationship with God. It was his faithfulness to God. He said, that is ultimate. And I know that if I sin against God, it will fracture that relationship. And in doing so, it will, it will fracture me and my resilience and everything else that I stand for. Joseph had a why. What is your why? And you know, this is a great season to wrestle that down. And chances are your circumstances have changed over the past few weeks. Maybe it feels like you were thrown in a pit, uh, a pit or maybe more likely a, a prison and things are moving and changing around you. And you're trying to figure out how do I respond? How do I keep going? And what we need to do is first settle on and identify what is our why? And, and, and not just the first thing that comes to mind or not even the thing that sounds good or that we wish was our ultimate why, but what is it? And, and take a look at our lives and look at our schedules and our decisions and then make the answer, what is ultimate in my life? What is it the thing that over and over again, it brings me to my feet? What dictates what I do and, and what I don't do? What keeps me moving forward? What is the reason for my resilience. And I just want to throw out a few questions here just to help identify what your why is. And, and, and here's a few. What is it that pushes you past the pain? What is it that pushes you past the pain? What is your motivation to keep moving forward? And the second thing is what gives you purpose? What gives you purpose? What gives value to your life? And the final question, and this is a big one, how will you measure your life? You know, what tells you you are moving in the right direction? How do you know what success looks like? What is it that you wanna look back on at the end of your life and say, if one thing could be true, it's this, because I gave everything to it. I made sure this was what I focused on. This was what I was loyal to. Ultimately, this is what I was faithful to. And you know, many of us, we become resilient for different reasons. Through our lives, you know, some of us, we, we become resilient to escape the bad and freedom becomes our why. Some become resilient to erase the memory of being poor. So money becomes our why, that's our driving force. Some learn to fight and to be strong so that we never have to feel like a victim again and, and power becomes our why. You know, there's always something on the other side of our why. It's what we want most. It's what we are most loyal to. And by its bell, we rise. You know, for Joseph, the answer to all of those questions was his faithfulness to God. It was his loyalty to him. That's what motivated him. That's what gave him value. That's what he measured his life by. That's what the one thing that he wanted to be certain, even when all these other things he couldn't control, he knew that I will remain faithful to God. And if I do that, I will remain resilient. You see, Joseph's resilience was rooted in his faithfulness to God. 
and our resilience will be rooted in our faithfulness to something. So we have to be able to answer it though. What is our why? And I know it can be a handful of things that come to mind and it's okay for you right now if the answer is not faithfulness to God. Maybe it's because you don't believe or maybe you're just being honest and that is not what keeps you moving forward. That is not what motivates you. But what is it? What are you faithful to? And there's a lot of things like we've been discussing that could be your why, but there is a difference, a big difference between God being what you're faithful to and anything else, whether that's freedom, money, power, control, security, sex. Here's the difference between everything else and God. None of those things have picked you as their why. None of those other things will be faithful to you no matter how faithful you are to them, but God has. You know, that's the other thing that we see here is that Joseph isn't the only one that is resilient. Joseph wasn't the only one who was faithful. The first time it said that it was jo that God was there with Joseph. The second time when he was in prison, did you catch the extra line that was added? It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And then what? And showed him his faithful love. Why was God there with Joseph? because God was faithful to Joseph. And maybe you're thinking, well, how can I know God is faithful to me? Because my setting, my circumstances, the stuff that I have been through makes it really hard to feel like God has been faithful. And I think we can look at Joseph's story and to see that there, our circumstances are not evidence of God's faithfulness because he was faithful all along, even when it doesn't feel like it. You see, evidence of God's faithfulness will never be found in the circumstance, but we can have evidence. We can know that God is for us, that God will always be faithful to us. There's two things, and here's what they are. Jesus is the evidence of God's faithfulness. I'm gonna say it one more time. Jesus is the evidence of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness can be seen in Jesus. God is faithful, so faithful. If you ever wanna know what he's willing to do, how resilient he is for me and you, look to Jesus. Jesus is the faithful love of God. He's what gives that faithful love a face. And, and Jesus was resilient. He didn't fold. Even when it got down to the wire, God was with him. But just like Joseph, he still took shots. Even though he lived a perfect life, he still got betrayed by his brothers, just like Joseph. He was arrested and falsely accused, just like Joseph. Jesus was stripped of his clothes, just like Joseph and me. But what kept him going? What kept him pushing forward? What was that? What was Jesus's why? Why was he still standing? What was the reason for his resilience? His reason, it was you and me. That's what allowed him to keep going. Sentenced to death, still faithful. He goes, to a, he goes to the cross to show God's faithful love, the greatest act of love the world will ever know. Jesus died for us, but he didn't remain dead. Three days later, he would rise. Three days later, not even death could keep him down. He rose telling the world, I'm still standing. 
And if God was there at the cross for us, if God was faithful to the point of dying on a cross, we can know, we can be confident that he will be there in any circumstance that we find ourselves in, any pit, any prison, any circumstance, God is right there because he is faithful. He has chosen to be loyal to us. That's how we can know, that's the evidence. The second thing is that we are the evidence of God's faithfulness followers of Jesus, when we see we are his reason, when we see we are his why, we, when we see we are the reason he went to the cross and endured all of that, when we see he is faithful to us, we will become faithful to him and within us will be built a resilience that cannot be shaken. Nothing can keep us down. It's a faithfulness our history books are filled with. It's faithfulness that is still changing the world today. Lives that are constantly questioned with how. How are you still moving forward? How can you take that much and keep moving forward? Over and over again, we see it's faith. No matter the leaders that you look back on, whether it's Martin Luther King, Bonhoeffer, Mother Teresa, what is it that kept them moving forward? How could they be that resilient? Their answer, the thing that they were ultimately loyal to was God. It was their faithfulness to him that allowed them to keep going. When we are resilient, we get to stand and say that the reason that we are is because of his faithful love. We are still standing both in this world and the world to come because we are the resilient. We are the witnesses of God's faithful love and we are the evidence that God is with us in every circumstances. When we can say that I don't know how I'm still standing, but God, God gave me strength. God pushed me forward. God kept me going. God motivated me. God gave me value. God gave me meaning. And when we live like that, when the reason for our resilience is our faithfulness to God, we will remain resilient no matter the situation because the truth is nothing can separate us from God's faithful love. And I want us to look at that and to close with that. Romans 8, look at this. It says, can anything, anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Do you, do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, is it evidence? Is there any evidence, no matter the situation, that God isn't faithful? He says, no, no matter the situation, no matter what we go through, we can be confident in this, that God is with us. He says, no, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we live convinced that we are his reason, when we live convinced that God's faithful to us, he is loyal to us, that nothing will ever stop him from being right there for us, then we will have a resilience that cannot be taken. 
And his faithful love is something that you can respond to today. You can make him your why today. We would wanna be there for you. You can go right now to tpcc.org slash prayer and just put on there, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And in that moment, you will begin to see a resilience that the world cannot break. Nothing can steal us from God's faithful love. And for all of us, we are the resilient. We can keep standing no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter the shots, nothing can keep us down. We are still standing. If the reason for our resilience is our faithfulness to God, nothing can take that. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this season, even though it's hard and even though it's tough, even though we've taken shots, God, I know faithfulness is growing. God, when we're brought to this spot and we can see you and we can know that even in, it's not just in the good times, but in the bad times, in the hard times, no matter the circumstance, God, you are faithful. And God, you are powerful and you are good and you are for us and you are loyal. God, let that be our motivation. Let that be where our value comes from. Let our faithfulness be what we measure our life by Jesus. We look to you and we believe, we trust that if we have faith in you, God, we will remain resilient. If you are our reason, nothing can stop us from moving forward. Jesus, we are still standing, but only in your name, amen.